Hello, and welcome to the Field Guides. I'm Steve, and I'm here with Bill. Good morning, Bill. Morning, Steve. Instead of a normal episode, this is going to be a bonus episode. We're doing the Christmas bird count right now, and uh, Bill and I thought it would be a fun experiment to sort of do a like a podcast blog. And we actually have an unexpected guest with us today, Chris. Hello, Hello. Chris. Hey, how you doing? So, Chris, you said this was your first Christmas bird count? Yes. How long have you been doing it? Since 1998. Almost 20 years. Holy cow. you think I would be a better birder by now. <laughs> You're a fine birder. <laughs> so we are in the car in the wilds of Wyoming County, 20, 30 miles from Buffalo. Sure. It took me like an hour and a half to get here, but that yeah. was mostly because of the driving Yeah, conditions. it's been pretty uh, rough in terms of driving in the snow. So for people that don't know what the Christmas count is, for our count circle, we call it, there's a central location that's chosen, and then a circle is drawn around that location, seven and a half miles. And then teams of counters go out on a given day and try to find as many birds as they can. We're counting species, but we're also counting individuals. Counting the number of birds is not an easy thing, at least for me to do. <laughs> I, I, I struggle with it a little bit. Yes, we give an estimate. Yeah. So we have been given a, a certain section. Right now we are driving down a country road. We are surrounded by cornfields. Mm -hmm. And we are seeing no birds right now, right guys? Yeah, it is going to be a quiet morning, I think. <laughs> well, once we get into the sheltered areas. Sure. I think, uh... Ooh, you're going to be hearing that from time to time. <laughs> so those are the frustrated drivers yeah. uh, going around us because we're driving so slow. So I thought it might be interesting just to give a quick historical background of the Christmas bird count. Nothing too much, but, I mean, as long as we're not seeing birds, I figure, why not? All right, well, hang on a second. Oh, Let's oh, boy. Oh, Ooh. Oh, wait, okay, we, we just saw something flying. One. Oh, is oh, that a blue jay? Yeah. yeah. So they probably have their feeders in back. Red-bellied woodpecker. You should be writing this down, Steve. Yeah, I'm, I should be. Do you have a pencil? Uh, I do. What's the maximum amount of blue jays you think you saw? Five, maybe? I'd say five. Okay. Ooh, crow. we got a crow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there it is. There's at least three juncos. I saw one up in the tree. There's one on the railing, yeah, and there's on the one down on the ground by the feeder. I wonder if every year people at this house and other houses with bird feeders are like, oh, like it's that time of year that the perverts come by with their binoculars. <laughs> Okay, so that wasn't so bad. Saw a lot of juncos, a lot of morning doves and blue jays. Not in our section. Yeah. <laughs> and we're still at zero birds. <laughs> Ready to move on? Right. Yeah. I just think anything we see here, we right. it's risky to count because we're so close. We have to be honest. We, we have to be smart about being honest. Gotta keep an eye out for hawks and stuff, Chris. All right. Turkeys walking. Look in their backyard on this blue house. They used to have a feeder. I don't know if they do anymore or not. See what's Junkos, maybe? No, not the ones on the top. At the very top looks like cedar wax wings. All right, I'm moving closer. Yeah, they are. How many guys count up there? Four? No, no, I had counted more than that. Did you? Five, six, seven. I had seven. And you're confident they're all wax wings? Yeah. That's good. We don't usually don't get cedar wax wings. I don't know the last time we got them on a, count, a Christmas count. So that's good. Nice job, Steve. There we go. We'll let you stay. I actually think they're bohemian waxwings. <laughs> <laughs> it's a flock of bohemian waxwings. Man, I hope we see those horned larks again. Oh, I know. Yep. Heard a crow. Oh, in the back, there's two flying up there. Oh, yeah, one, one two, two, three. three. Ooh, At least three crow? crows. Yeah. I'm always hoping for a raven. Yeah. We do get them now and then. Actually, I think it's all the same. I've seen quite a few empty feeders. I know. Yeah. 
That's the frustrating part. So, Chris, we never know what kind of reception we're going to get. We've always been pretty lucky. Yeah. But uh, one year, I used to, to run the Christmas count, and one year I got a call from the cops. They had stopped somebody. They had stopped um, two of the counters because they'd gotten a call about someone was driving around and looking at people's houses with binoculars. <laughs> so <laughs> the cops stopped them, asked them what they were doing, and then he called me to confirm. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> we did the goal walk down at uh, the, uh, the Power Authority fishing platform like a month ago. And a cop pulled up. And he wasn't, he was just like, what are you guys doing? Like looking at goals. <laughs> yeah, that's that's believable. It's yeah, just like more intrigued on why we're doing that. Yeah. You know, trying to. Yeah, actually, it's pretty obvious. Um, actually, it's a kestrel. <laughs> <laughs> that is one thing I would like to see is a kestrel on one of these lines. Oh, that'd be cool. I mean, that's the place to look for him. Yeah. Mm, I think I can pull in there. Is this what we did last year? Went down this path. All right. Okay. Get out. See what we can hear. Okay. I thought I saw a red tail, but now I'm not sure. A lot of white underneath. I know. Would you agree that on the back it looks kind of cinnamon colored? Yeah. Okay. But on the, the back of the bird, I'm just getting our images straight so when we look in the book. Right. Oh, that's a... Uh, yeah, that's that's huge for a downy, I think. Do you want to go down that path? Yeah. Now, you were telling me, how many times have you been shot doing the Christmas bird count? <laughs> Only... Two or three. <laughs> Flesh wounds. All right, so I'm going to play a mobbing call to try and call some birds in. That's called cheating. It is. Tom's okay with this. <laughs> Chickadees are what I expect. I hear an owl. <laughs> Screech owl. Oh, there's a junco coming in. We've seen so many juncos. There's a really good tell for the junco. The upper body parts, the head, it's all gray. Slate colored. Right, yeah. so it's uh, gray on top and then underneath it's white. Thoreau or somebody said it, it mimics the winter landscape. Oh, okay. Gray clouds above and snow on the ground. Man, how poetic <laughs> and wrong of him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when it does fly away, its uh, outer tail feathers are white. So you see a flash of white when it flares its tail as it flies away. It's like an upside down V. White breast did not hatch. Nice. The nuthatch. Chickadees and Jeff. So you want to get back to the nature center by quarter two? That'd be good. Okay. Sorry. Bill, are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, will it go off if I don't put mine on? Yeah. Well, I guess I'm part of the problem. <laughs> well, actually, no. Okay. All right, guys. So the Christmas bird count began in 1900. It was thanks to an ornithologist by the name Frank M. Chapman. So Chapman, he's actually a pretty well-known guy. He was actually a, an early officer in the very early days of the Audubon Society. Actually, the Audubon Society was founded in 1905, so this guy was like... Right there. He was doing it before it was even a thing. So he was like the <laughs> he original was doing hipster. It it was cool. He was a pioneer in writing field guides, and he also wrote a bunch of other ornithology books. And he was the first person awarded the Daniel Garrod Elliott Medal in 1917. And that's from the National Academy of Sciences. And now this is why I love Wikipedia. This is very, very important. The official National Academy of Sciences describes this award as being awarded for the meritorious work in zoology or paleontology published in three to five year period. So that's the official, and that's not very exciting, that's not very interesting. Now Wikipedia says the Daniel 
Gerard Elliott Medal is awarded by the U.S. National Academy of Sciences for meritorious work in fart study what? published in a three to five year period. <laughs> they actually have that on the... I'm not kidding. This is a direct quote. <laughs> when yeah. I was reading, I was like, there's no way it's awarded for a fart study. <laughs> That should never be your primary <laughs> But that was so impressive. <laughs> you know, so I said he was the first person to ever win the Daniel uh, Garrod Elliott medal. He was also the fourth person to ever win the John Burroughs medal in oh, 1929. Wow. And the book that he won it for was The Handbook of Birds of Eastern North America. All right, I think there's a feeder up here. No! Come on. All right, so let this be a lesson to anyone listening who has bird feeders. Keep them filled in the two weeks before and after Christmas. Because yeah. that is when the count happens. I think it's important to note that bird feeders, for the most part, you're not doing anything for the birds. I think birds only, on average, get about 25% of their food yeah, from small. feeders. Yeah, it's small. I've seen anywhere from 25% to a third. So it's, it's important to note that bird feeders are really only for people. But if the birds are sticking around, and especially if the weather turns for the worse... Don't be a wuss. Yeah. <laughs> It's important that the you know the birds have something to rely on. Right. All right. We should get out here because this is where we saw the uh, the crossbills in the past. Were you here that year? No, but I remember parking at this spot yeah. last year. I think I say it every year in the hopes that the uh, the birds will be here. Ah, uh, this spot was a nightmare last year. With the wind. Oh yeah. yeah. First time I ever went birding, my girlfriend was like, oh, I want to go to Gold Island. There's a lot of ducks there. I was like, all right, whatever, <laughs> mallard. You know, I'm yeah. thinking like a mallard. And I never went looking at birds with a binocular before. We go out there, and there's like six different kinds of duck. And that's like when it, <laughs> it was like yeah. the epiphany. You're just yeah. like, oh, wow. Like, they're not all just mallards everywhere. There's right. actually all these cool, like, looking ones that right. are here only part-time, too. And Our friend Rich, who we've had on the podcast before. Mm -hmm. He says that uh, he works at a hospital, and we do a birdathon in May, mm -hmm. where people we try to raise money for the nature center, and people donate so much money per species, and he'll he'll have people say, oh, I'm gonna I'll donate like a dollar a species, and he'll say, wait, <laughs> he said, you know, sometimes we get up to a hundred species, and people are like, there's not that many kinds of birds around here. It's like I bet I'll be donating three to five dollars. <laughs> All right, we better get you back. Yeah. All right. I think our time's running out. Chris, do you have any guides that you prefer? Um, we have a Sibley and a Kaufman. Do you have the Sibleys of Eastern or, or of all of North America? Uh, Eastern. Okay. That's what I prefer. I, I don't even know why, other than a book just to keep at your house, I don't know why any, anyone would like, buy that in North America. I I have I use the Kaufman because that was given to me as a gift, and I like it because it has the checklist in the back. Oh, yeah. And so I sort of have been just doing like a life list of since I got the date and I got that book. So, you know, I can't remember if it's Kaufman's or Stokes, but have you ever seen the Guide to Birding Behavior or the Advanced Guide to Birding? That's Stokes. Stokes. Yeah. I love that book. Yeah. I prefer guides with drawings in them, and I only say that because my first guide was an Audubon guide. Or I should say my first guide was a Golden Guide, and then I thought I upgraded when I did the Audubon Guide to Eastern North America. No. That was a huge downgrade, other than in the back of the book, they give really nice range maps, and they give really nice descriptions and, and little things like that. But pictures are tough because uh, when you have drawings, you can really, um, they can maybe exaggerate a little bit some of the colors or some they of the things you should really be looking for. Good. But, yeah. Chris, doesn't the Kaufman Guide 
Don't they have photographs? Yes. But he's digitally enhanced. Yeah. So I don't use that guy. Do they have photographs of the different angles of the bird, whether it's like spread winged yeah. or... Yeah? yeah? Yeah, most of the time you'll get three or four. And then, like, a lot of, you know, male, female. This is what it looks like flying. This nice. is what it looks like if it was perched. Yeah, I'm going to have to check that one out because I, you know, just based on, like, the Audubon guide, it sort of turned me off to photographs. Right. Yeah. It's kind of funny that the Audubon guide is not the guide preferred, I think, by most breeders. Oh, and we're actually doing an Audubon program right now. Yeah, we're on an Audubon Audubon program. is so good. I, I love Audubon. The bird count is sponsored by Audubon. Yeah. Yeah. The red-shouldered hawk is good, though. I don't know if we've ever gotten a red-shouldered hawk in this territory before. That's good. So, as of right now, yeah. 14 species. Alright. It's not so bad. I'd like to break 25. That'd be good. So we haven't seen the house sparrow yet. We haven't seen the house finch. Right. Um, we don't have pigeons. We, we yeah, no rock doves. Uh, we, we have the morning dove. Yeah. That's a pitch. No horned larks. No horned larks. <laughs> no snow buntings. We saw so many larks last year. That would have been really cool to see them again. In front of the road. Man. Did you see what that was? No. I think they were morning doves. But we got to get you back. All right, we should be back in just a few minutes, guys. Sweet. Oh. There's my binoculars. All right. We can't count here. This is not our territory. So. Oh, right. Okay. We don't care about any birds here. Oh, what about this guy? This guy doing it. Should we ask him? Want to help somebody? What? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Empathy is a slippery slope. <laughs> Before you know, you'll be volunteering your free time. That's what we're doing. I do this out of pure selfishness. Yeah, but we, we are volunteering. And I get that it helps nature, but I'm really just doing it for myself. <laughs> it's a win-win. Couldn't you argue that anyone who volunteers is doing it? On a certain level. Yeah. Well, Chris, I don't know if you want to use your experience with us as, you know, your yardstick for what the Christmas count could be like. Because <laughs> if you go out with, like, uh, Jerry Rising or some of the other teams that are more hardcore. No, I gotta do that. I'm glad I got heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel bad, like, cut you guys off, and then yeah, I go all the way back. Oh, no, okay, it's no big not deal a problem at all. At all. Yeah. And if you weren't with us, you wouldn't have heard that the National Academy of Sciences gives a word for fart research no. or something. For fart research. <laughs> or allegedly fart <laughs> research, if you're going by Wikipedia. No, this is, this is great. <laughs> Other than the fact, you know, you drive, like, an hour each way to do it. I really wish I could stay all day. What's more important, birds or career? <laughs> You have to find a balance between not living on the streets and uh, seeing birds. Chris, it was a pleasure. That was awesome. Yeah. I'll keep an eye out for that. All right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're on Facebook, the field guides. All right. Drive safe, man. Good luck with the uh, interview of sorts. Finally, he's gone. (laughs) All right, so do you mind if I talk a little bit more about the bird count? Go for it. Uh, Back in 1900, the standing tradition of the time was to head out on Christmas morning and you would go hunting. The side hunt. Concerned by the declining bird populations, Frank Chapman, uh, the guy that we were talking about before, he did the first Christmas bird census. Right, so the the way I've always heard the story was that prior to the Christmas bird count, it was common in towns all across North America that around Christmas time, groups of men, groups in the town would all get together, they would create two teams Mm -hmm. and have what was called the side hunt where these two teams would head out into the woods 
kill as many animals as they could, and whichever team uh, killed the most animals, they were declared the winner, they had bragging rights for the year, and then they would uh, create a huge feast out of these animals. That's but, crazy. And Frank Chapman, in response to this tradition, said, hey, instead of going out and killing animals, yeah. why don't we go out and count them and make a contribution to science? Before doing a little bit of reading about the Christmas bird count, I didn't know anything about Frank Chapman. This guy's a hero. He is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I should say about the side hunt thing that I looked into that. Let me just cut you off. So you, you were saying side hunt. So it was called the side hunt because the, the men would choose sides. Instead of forming teams for flag football, they would form teams to go murder animals. Go murder animals, yeah. <laughs> I know. We, I can't say it that way. <laughs> But they did. Bill and I are okay with hunting. For conservation. Yeah, right. But I should say that that is the, the story I've read about and been told, you know, ever since I first heard about the Christmas bird count. But when we started looking into information for this episode, I could find, at least on the internet, mm -hmm. no substantial information about side hunts. It's just referred to casually in some articles about the Christmas count. Right. But if anyone out there has more substantial information, I would love to hear it because now I'm wondering, is this just kind of folklore? Is this... I mean, I know market hunting in the 1800s and early 1900s was a thing. It was very common. Right. Um, so I know that took place. But is this side hunt story... But whether or not this little sport game... Right. How widespread was that? Did Frank Chapman really create the Christmas bird count in response to side hunts? I think it's not in question whether or not people went out and killed a lot of animals on Christmas, but you're saying the sport part of it might have been the... Right, and just the story of the side hunt where they chose up sides and went out and kind of sure. kept a tally of how many things did your side kill and how many sure. things did I kill? This, uh, this old husband's tale of uh, yeah. killing as many... And I was, I was honestly surprised because I've had so many people and so many... Uh, magazine articles or even you know books about natural history refer right. to this. So as I keep saying in, in past episodes, there's all these things that I've had in my head right. that I've taken as gospel, and <laughs> right. with a little bit of research, I'm realizing oh a lot of this stuff is not accurate. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think on the field guides and really in every aspect of your life, it, I think it's important to be skeptical. But being skeptical is not the best thing in the world. Skeptical inquiry is maybe one of the best things you could do in the world. It's all an effort to be less wrong. So, like we had said, Chapman, he pioneered the new tradition that, you know, that we've been doing since 1900, uh, the Christmas bird census, and eventually it was called the Christmas bird count. This would be the start of an ongoing winter bird registry, so we're not just going to go out and hunt them anymore and not keep a tally of what we're doing. Uh, we're just going to go out and look at them and keep a tally of what we're doing. Right. During that first bird count, they had 27 volunteers... And it wasn't just in one place. This was all over the country. There were some in California. Uh, the vast majority was in the northeast United States, but they also had some in Toronto. Oh, wow. Yeah. Toronto, Ontario, for people that... I'm talking about a bunch of different states in New England. I'm talking about California and Toronto. 27 people. <laughs> and not only was it 27 people, it was in 25 different bird counts. Oh, wow. So, so some of those you, counts you, had, like, one person? Not some of them. Most Almost of them. all of them had one person. So there's a chance that one of the counts had three people, I think, or two of the counts had two, two people. people. Is that how that would something work? Like that. Yeah, something like Yeah, I, I didn't really think this through, but, <laughs> but it's something like that. The vast majority of the counts had one person. 
And they actually they recorded eighteen thousand five hundred species. So that's a rough Holy estimate. Yeah. Cow. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, that can't Take be right. that reaction back. <laughs> they found eighteen thousand five hundred individuals and eighty nine species overall. That sounds like a lot. Yeah. But there have been times on this count where you might have one team who's out get a count of a thousand starlings. Right. 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 Or you know hundreds of Canada geese. So I, so some people that to have thousands of individual birds may seem like a lot, but it's really not that. Yeah, it's, it's not it's not a lot. Yeah, but I think um, it's important to say that there are some counts now where I bet there are Christmas bird counts that only have a handful of people doing them. Oh yeah, yeah. How many do you think we had at the center this morning? I'd say at the center today we probably had about ten people. Yeah. But having run this count in the past. I know there are a lot of teams that don't even bother to stop at the center. They've counted the same sections year after year, so they don't even stop there. We're all working on the Beaver Meadow Christmas count. Right. But there are other sites around western New York where they're doing Christmas counts, but those aren't run by the Buffalo Audubon Society. Just to be clear, the winter bird count is a western hemisphere phenomenon. It's really only over here. Right. Yeah. And we should tell people that anybody can do it. So if any of the listeners out there... If they're into birds, if they're just interested in birds, find your closest uh, Christmas count. You can go to audubon.org. Uh, if you just type in Christmas Bird Count Audubon, you can go to their webpage, bring up a map that'll show you all of the counts Yeah. Uh, across the country, really across the continent. And there's probably one that's taking place close to you. They do it uh, two weeks before Christmas and two weeks after Christmas. Mm-hmm. Each person that's running the count will pick a day during that time period. And if you're an inexperienced birder, they'll they'll usually pair you up with somebody who is experienced. Yeah. Like Chris today, he had never done a Christmas count before. Right. So the guy who's running our circle, he's he said, all right, we'll go out with Bill and Steve. Yeah. They so, kind of know what they're doing. Yeah, they stuck me with two amateurs, right. but whatever. <laughs> right. I don't know if we mentioned it previously already, but, you know, here in the Northeast, on this particular count, the Beaver Meadow count, when we go out, we usually get around 20 species of birds. Uh, we might get, you know, a few hundred individual birds that we count. Yeah. But depending where you are in the, the on the continent, it can vary wildly. When I first started doing the count, I had a friend who was interning down in Belize in um, Cloud Forest down there. Oh, wow. And yeah. on their Christmas count, they got something like 300 species or so. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. He said, oh, yeah, we just rode the tram. That kind of <laughs> takes you through the trees. And <laughs> oh. And here... You know, most years, we fight for every bird. How good do you have to be to just know 300 species yeah. off the top of your head? Better than us. Oh, no. <laughs> that was, it could have been a lot worse. We just had a truck go by and splash in. Oh, yes, that's a red tail. That's a beautiful red tail. That was like tail spread and everything. That was yeah. nice. Beautiful. Oh, I remember this spot last year, because I remember oh, that look, little... Look, 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 There's oh. all the birds on the ground. Hold on. All right. I oh, counted okay. at least ten juncos. Oh, there's more than that. Yeah. Blue jay. 12, 13. I think we have 13 juncos, one blue jay. All right, 13 juncos? Oh, two blue jays, yeah. 13 juncos, two blue jays. Uh, there's a chickadee, at least one. Yeah, and, oh, there's four blue jays. Four blue jays? Okay, we're up to ten. Another American tree sparrow, but I wonder if it's the same one. Yeah, we just have one so far. 
It's tough because I'm only seeing the chickadees like one at a time. So I don't know. Oh, nice. Uh, red breasted nuthatch. Cool. He's actually where you definitely can't see him. Okay. Man, it's getting more and more difficult because I feel like birds are flying in. But I can't tell if they're birds that were there and now they're coming back. You know what I mean? Yeah. We have downy, hairy, and red belly. Nice. I never got, I, I didn't get to see the red belly. There's just that one. Yeah. Right at that first stop. Dave? Yeah. Hi, it's Bill Michalek. Hi, Bill. How you doing? Okay, well, uh, my friend Steve and I, were on our count. We're hoping we can stop by. Okay, well, we're uh, just turning on to PD, so we'll see you soon. Sounds good. Bye. Bye-bye. Nailed it. We're going to Dave's. So Dave is the, the former director of the Beaver Meadow Audubon Center, which is, uh, that's the center that's running this count. He is a top-notch birder. He's birded all over the world, Alaska and South America, and he bans saw-wet owls in his free time. Nice. And uh, he has an incredible feeder setup, which we visit every year on the count, so we can sit in his nice, cozy, warm house and look out his window and, and mm -hmm. get lots of uh, good numbers. Uh, yeah, our numbers usually jump when we go to Dave. Yeah. <laughs> and Dave even has a uh, a subspecies of a hybrid warbler named after him. Really? Yeah, he does. What it's, is it? it? I can't remember which two species hybridized, but... He bands, uh, he bird bands during the summer at Beaver Meadow, and he caught a bird, a warbler, in his net that he could not identify. Wow. And you can't ban a bird if you can't identify it. So he took a picture, he sent it to Cornell, and uh, they said they th thought it was a hybrid of these two species that had never been recorded, that type of hybrid had never been recorded before. They said, you know, if you ever catch that bird, try to get a feather so they could do a, a DNA Oh, analysis. nice. And he caught it again. Whoa. <laughs> so, like, the next time he banded or soon thereafter, he caught it again, pulled a feather, sent it in, and they were able to determine which two species had hybridized. So they called it Duncan's Warbler. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, we're at Dave's house. Give it a That was not a loud knock. How long have you been out there? <laughs> just, just, a, just a second, really. Yeah. Hey, I, I met you last year, yes, Steve. Yeah. So uh, you, you've been keeping a list for us, Dave? That's the list. Awesome. That's for you. Thank you. There's a junco out there that doesn't have that clean line between the gray and the white. It actually has kind of like a buffy on yep. the sides. And the last time I saw stuff like that, it was out west. Pink side of junco. And I've never seen another junco other than our slate colored over here. Well, this this is the, the deal that, you know... Oregon juncos show up in the western New York. Not quite every winter, but not. And pink sided probably too. I saw an or Oregon in um, in southern New York in uh, like 40 years ago. Holy cow. So how do you know it's an Oregon? Uh, it's really definitive. Yeah. Um, it's got a black head. It looks like a toey. Oh wow. A black head and brown brown body. And it's a very striking one. But there's more goldfinches that I put down, so you okay. need to count them. And you might you might get up on tree sparrows and juncos as well. I had a sharpie perched up here for a while. Today? Yeah, and that was awesome. That was um you know, 
Because we've got nothing happening. We've got a red-shouldered right. and a red tail. Great. Dave, how come you don't have squirrels jumping off your trees on these feeders? Uh, because we don't have gray squirrels here now. Okay. I don't get it. But, for instance, that feeder over there, that branch that is waving is right on top of the feeder. A red squirrel could run up that branch and jump on that feeder easily. And I was going to cut that, and I've never seen a, a red squirrel on that feeder. It's like they're brain dead or something. <laughs> One of the things you'll notice, which really is almost obvious, is there's no ground cover here. And so um, I'm going to cut a couple of uh, trees. But what, happen- what happens, Steve, is we have beavers, and beavers, you look at... Oh, yeah, I see the wiring now around your trees. The beavers take anything that's... Takeable, yeah. almost, and, and but even then, we have planted some viburnums in here, and the beavers don't seem to touch them. But but nevertheless, I was looking at a, some uh, birds going into uh, ewes the other day, and I need ewes out here. To, I need I need some green, yeah, dense cover. There is nothing here. American ewes kind of gross me out a little bit. Something about their fruits. There's something about the way they look that gives me chills. <laughs> Does that make sense to anyone else? No. No? <laughs> I can see you in a, an asylum. <laughs> oh, I, I can see myself in an asylum. I, can, I can't stand the use. There's <laughs> How did Selwats go this fall? I got 37. I'm, I'm a piker. Yeah. So I like I go to about eleven o'clock and then I'm like, oh god, I can't stay up till midnight. And I did stay up till midnight a couple nights. One night on October 9th, I caught nine sawwets, so that was really good. Um, but then um, it's hit or miss, and and you go out and it's warm and the owls aren't responding, and you go out and it's windy and the owls aren't responding, and then the full moon comes on and that kills it and. Uh, um, so in any case, to my maybe 11 o'clock, maybe midnight, my friend down in Cowdersport, uh, who taught me, who, who got me started, uh, David said, uh, oh, he had 175 this year, because he stays out till 3 in the morning. He can't do that. And he's retired, he can do that, but... So are you. I know, but, you know, and... If I did, I'm sure I could increase my numbers significantly. Sure. Um, Do you get recaptures? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I caught one from McGill University, and somebody in Virginia caught one of mine. Nice. So. Well, I was telling Steve about the, um, the warbler, the hybrid warbler. Mm-hmm. What were the two species? Um, so morning warbler nests in my woods here. Okay. The Kentucky warbler, which was the father, uh, nests about six miles south of here. And, and so somehow... They got together? Here, yeah, they got together. And so I, in 2006 I caught this hybrid. And, uh, it's, it's a fun story. but, but and, and then I asked Irby, Irby Lovett, who did the DNA at Cornell on it, I said, so this was just a shot in the dark. And he said, no. He said, when we published that article, all kinds of museums had unknowns. Whoa. So they pulled tail feathers or whatever they did. Yeah. They did the DNA and they had identifications. 
on all these museums. Oh, that's awesome. So we caught, caught the bird, Sandy photographed it, and we could, got the photos, and I gave them to Cornell Lab, and I gave them to Roger Jordan Peterson Institute, and I gave them to Kurt Fox. Kurt Fox is a master's degree in computers. He really is a very sharp one. So he put it on this chat book sort of thing. And one of the comments was from Irby Lovett, who said, uh, I wish he'd pulled two tail feathers. And Betsy showed me. I didn't even know this chat room was out there kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And she said, go to Bang Lab and get permission to pull tail feathers. And they said, and, and that was email over the weekend. Banning Lab has always taken three months to reply to anything. Yeah. You know. They published this article in The Living Bird. And um, Irby said, I'm going to swear to you a secrecy. And so I'll tell you what it was, but you can't tell anybody. I said, can I tell Sandy? Yes, you can tell Sandy. Until the article comes out. Until the article comes out, because when the article comes out, we're not going to tell them the answer. We're going to say, go to our website for the answer, which was trying to get people to go to the website. Well, Willie Deanna called me up one day and he said, I know you know. And he said, you you can tell me, I won't tell anyone. (laughs) Yeah, right. And he was pissed. I wouldn't tell him. (laughs) And he's a good guy. I like him really immensely. And I sworn to secrecy. I I said, call the lab. They'll tell you. If if they'll tell you, they'll tell you. But Mm -hmm. you're not going to get it from me. And it hasn't hurt our friendship at all. (laughs) He was pissed. (laughs) You can tell me. Nope. Just remind me, it was a, a Tennessee in a morning? Kentucky. It was a Kentucky in a morning. Kentucky in a morning. And the other thing that broke my heart was that I was out there, and this bird never sang. And people said, what did it sing like? If it sang as a morning warbler, I mistook it as a, as a morning warbler. If it didn't sing Kentucky, and it didn't sing some weird thing that I would have tracked down. Yeah. So it didn't do anything... No, it probably didn't sing at all, but I don't know. And people wanted to know. And furthermore, it never reappeared. reappeared. I have a friend in Toledo who had a, had a hybrid, and they called it Nurschel's Warbler because his name is Nurschel. And, and they, five years, the bird kept appearing, and everybody would look at it and say, oh boy, boy. nobody thought to trap it. Right. And, and they never did find out what it was. Uh-huh. And there have been other ones, I'm sure. When was that? That the uh, years? 2006. Oh. Well, anyway, the, then the you know it's just, it's just a cute story for me. Huge story. It's huge. We've been we've had a very good relationship as as donors to the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, and they had a capital campaign many years ago, and they gave us naming rights to the classroom. Oh. And if you go there on the wall between the classroom and the next room, which is a which is the DNA lab is this thing. It's way bigger than this picture. And it's a 26 foot long, I'm going to say reticulated python skeleton. <laughs> and it was collected by a guy named M.C. Junkin. <laughs> Next to the Junkin classroom. Lab. Teaching lab. Alright, we'll see you. Alright guys, thank you very much again. We got your list, this is awesome. Thank you. 
we're coming close to ramping up the bird count. We spent so much time with Dave and Sandy that <laughs> we kind of got carried away. Now we got to hit up. What's the name of the lake again? Vaughn Lake. It's what? actually a private community. But they Oops. have a, a couple big lakes in there. But we sometimes can pick up some waterfowl species. Yeah. So using the data, you know, all the data collected from the bird count, they've seen that uh, in the last 40 years, they've been seeing um, generalist bird species as well as wetland and forest and shrub dwelling species. They've been shifting their winter ranges northward. That would be a prediction of global warming and the right. way that the environment's changing. They also saw that those models, they're predicting that roughly 314 species are going to be losing more than 50% of their current ranges by the year 2080. Yeah. That's bad. <laughs> that's like 60 years away, but that's no. not really a lot of time. Without continuously updating these bird uh, registries and, and seeing where these bird ranges are, how else are these professionals going to know how to make the most informed decisions uh, moving right. forward? So, you know, the Christmas bird count and, and, and bird banding and everything else that these groups are doing is so important. And that's one of the great things about the Christmas count is it's been going on so long. Yeah. And they have such a huge data set. It's been exactly 116 years. Yeah. So uh, if you want to participate in the count, you can contact uh, your local Audubon Center, because it is through Audubon. Right. We'll definitely share some Audubon links with this episode. Sure. Yeah, it's definitely a really fun thing to do. And if you can't do the Christmas bird count and, and you're interested in birds in general, banding is also an incredible thing to do. And there's banding centers everywhere. So I would say to people, too, if your Audubon Center doesn't run their own count, there are counts that are run by other organizations. Like there's one count around here. Mm -hmm. that's run by the Buffalo Ornithological Society. They report their data to National Audubon, right? but the local chapter of Audubon doesn't run that particular count. So you never know. There might be a count in your neck of the woods, you know, speaking to our audience out there, that is in desperate need of your help yeah. to help count birds. So even if you feel like, oh, my gosh, I don't know that many species, that's okay. Just having an extra set of eyes makes a huge difference. Okay, so let's check out the lake, and then when we come back, we'll, we'll wrap things up. Okay. Yeah. We don't even really have to look around. <laughs> uh, there's nothing there's here. Ice, two little pools of water, and no birds. Well, they can't say we didn't try. Yeah. All right, so we didn't do very well at Fawn Lake, did we? No. <laughs> Actually, maybe the worst possible you could do, <laughs> a zero. <laughs> so Fawn Lake was frozen over, just two small pools, no waterfowl. We didn't even hear any songbirds, did we? I think it's generous to say two small pools, because those, those are aerators or bubblers, right? Right, right. <laughs> two small breaks in the ice. Yeah. So our totals were how many species for the day? 21. 21 species. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Um, so I bet some of the other teams probably got a few more species than that. Maybe. But for it us... A, it was a rough morning. I feel like the... Sometimes when weather's like this, you don't get as many species as you hope. Yeah, right? and for us, it was respectable. Oh, I think so, yeah. All right, so uh, we're going to wrap up, and we want to do that by first thanking our patrons. Yeah. So those people that donated through Patreon.com, uh, they're supporting our efforts. So we want to thank Ken and Scott, Molly and Rob, Alyssa, Dave, Kimberly, and Lee. Yeah, thank you guys so much. You know, you guys are really making the podcast possible for us, and you're helping us... Uh, Make it better. Yeah, and, and hopefully soon we're able to buy new equipment and, and everything else, and hopefully we'll increase the quality of this stuff. Yeah, so thank you from the bottom of our hearts, folks. Thank you very much. Yeah. Now, if you have any questions out there or comments, you can email us at thefieldguides at gmail.com. Again, if you'd like to support the show, that's patreon.com forward slash thefieldguides. If you want to visit our website and just see what we have there, that's thefieldguidespodcast.com. Or just uh, like us on Facebook. Uh, we're also on Instagram. 
which I haven't been keeping up with very much lately. But you know, I haven't been keeping up Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> at the end of the semester, it's uh, you know the holidays. Yeah, oh geez, yeah. holidays and semester, man. We're making um, excuses. <laughs> but we're uh, at Field Guides Podcast on Instagram and on Twitter. We're Field Guides Pod. Yeah. So follow us uh, anywhere you want. Thanks and for thanks listening. for listening. Yeah. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll see you next time.